All right, this is Darkenese Radio, episode number 91, coming to you live from Boston, Texas, and Chile. Uh, I'm one of our hosts, Mike, and uh, tonight I'm joined by Chig. Evening, Mike. And we're also joined by Joe. How's it going, Joe? Todo bien, muchas gracias. Sorry, I'm in very well, thank you. All right. Yeah, so Joe's been talking to us for a while uh, about a lot of like gaming going on down in uh, Chile. We're really curious about that. Uh, and then also maybe potentially running a demon in the future, Demon the Fallen, which could uh, be a really cool actual play. So really happy to have you here on the show to uh, you know, kind of introduce us to uh, gaming in the Southern Hemisphere a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Um, first off, hello, I'm Joe. I've been DMing for about 15 years now. Uh, I'm... I've been like inside the, the cold RPG culture ever since 2004, 2005, but I know the whole story of what ha whatever happened before. Uh, first off, to start off, this is going to be a little bit controversial, but uh, for those who are not in the known, Chile was a little bit of a socialist country until there was a coup d'etat and the military took over and whatnot. During this era, m uh, rock, metal, all that shit, all the good stuff was heavily censored. Um, there's a local legend that a queen was coming to this country, but or general dictator decided to say no. So, for the most part, RPGs during the 80s were was a very much underground movement. Like, legends has it that the first guys who brought RPGs, uh, Quixote, Orchard, and Norman, they brought it to USA. Because it was big back in the eighty-five, eighty-six. There, mm, yeah. I, I not, I'm not sure if they bought a uh, AD and D or DND, but thing is that they bought RPGs here. After um, the dictatorship ended at the beginning of the nineties, things started to get a little bit more laid back, more, more loosened up. Um, but still, we had a very uptight paradigm, if that's the correct word, uh, meaning that. For the longest time during the 90s, things like Magic the Gathering were satanic. Uh, RPGs, everybody had this idea of, uh, oh, you're a role player. That means you, you sacrifice children to Satan in order to play these diabolical games. Um, and anime culture was starting to come up in here. But the first thing that arrived was the whole, oh, Pokemon is satanic. They will give you seizures. So for the longest time, we had to fight that being a nerd in the 90s here was was a eternal struggle <laughs> during the 90s uh the world of darkness starts expanding starts arriving we have uh gaming stores like the hobbit and birmingham which i wasn't able to know but role-playing starts getting more and more popular back in this day during this era uh and we have started to have uh our local gaming events we call them uh dragon's consoles it's a funny story, but uh, the old guard, like we call them, or the um, the great old ones, as somebody or some mentions them, in here we call them the great worms. Like any GM that's forty years or older, or that's been role playing for about thirty or forty years, is known as a great worm. So we made this event called the Worms. I mean, the Dragons Council, in which you had uh, medieval music live. Every one of the classrooms in Bushath, which is a college university had like five or six games happening at the same time. In the in the patio, you had guys doing medieval fighting with um, foam swords. Um, you have a small tavern. So it was very D&D-ish. 
during the 2003-2004 is when I entered the role-playing community through Bumper the Masquerade. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> You're not proud of it? What? Uh, my first character was a Kaitif, and I had no idea what I was doing. Hey, man, that's cool. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Thinking about the story of another friend, at least my entering was gentle. Uh, very quickly. One of my friends, another one of the old DMs, the guy who taught me how to DM, he told me that when he was in high school, um, he had the copy of the copy of the copy of Bumper the Masquerade. Somebody had borrowed him to him. Uh, in that day, since they didn't know much um, gaming stores, me, uh, I mean, my friend Hale uh, and another friend we call uh, Angelus Blue, they made uh, dice out of uh, breadcrumbs. I'm not saying that we were poor, but they didn't know about gaming stores. So he told me that one day a guy arrives and goes like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, we're making up like uh, games. Oh, you mean like role-playing games? Most of the ideal of the role-playing games here arrived through TV shows like Dexter's Lab. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here, I can I can hand you this book. So somebody gave him like the photocopy of Vampire the Masquerade 2nd Edition, something like that. The guy goes like, oh, I'm going to check it out. So my friend Gio starts studying the game, starts researching the game. His mother gives him a lot of BS because the book didn't have a cover. And the main and the first thing you saw was the a gathering of beasts. One day, uh, the owner of the book tells him, Hey, dude, we're going to do a party here in my house. There'll be some chicks, dude. There'll be booze. Come over. Also, bring me the book. He goes like, okay, sure. He goes to the place with the book. He's like, okay, for... I'm gonna get me a girl. I'm gonna get laid, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have so much fun. He rings the bell. The door opens, and the first thing he sees is a table, with some of the guys from the from high school sitting around the table, and the house owner is like, "Shut up, sit down, GM." And that's how the guy was launched into GMing. Oh man, that is that is absolutely brutal. Now it's a lot harsher than groups here. A yeah. lot harsher. <laughs> now. In 2004, um, the whole uh, scenario is now divided between those who play Dungeons and Dragons and those who play World of Darkness. World of Darkness was a big deal, but it was, how to put it, I want to say shady, but it was like, if you wanted to play a game, like uh, if you wanted to play Bumper the Masquerade, everybody knew Bumper the Masquerade. If you wanted to play Werewolf, you needed to find somebody who knew about Werewolf. If you wanted to play, uh, I don't know, uh, Mage Ascension, you had to first ever heard about the game. It's not, it wasn't like you have to figure out about these games. You got to learn about the games in order to find them, and then to find that somebody that knew about them. Because I won't lie to you, back in my day, I I only know knew three guys who DM uh, Mage Ascension, and two guys who could really well uh, run World of the Apocalypse, and that was about it. So whenever you went to a convention, you went like, oh, he's, that's Chris, he runs this, this, and this. Oh, that's uh, Michael, he runs this, this, and this. Oh, that's Norman, he runs pretty much everything. So since the community was so small in a sense, and I hate to put it like this, but Chile is divided in states. I mean, not like in proper states, but like in regions. And all the centralization is here in Santiago. But because of that, in every event, you already knew the familiar faces. You already knew who was coming from which region. There was a lot of, uh, like, 
you know about storytellers based on what you heard about them through a friend of yours or through another guy that you knew. So it was um it was a very lovely era in which everybody knew each other. Uh, World of Darkness wise, there were a lot of discussions at the World of Darkness, especially in two thousand four, two thousand three. You see, gentlemen, anime was a thing. Do you know where I'm heading to? Nope, not at all. Okay. Uh, anime was a thing. Uh, anime here was something that you can find in public channels. Uh, the whole idea of RPGs being satanic was like, slowly dying down. Thing was, uh, everybody knew, everybody could run a game of Bumper the Masquerade. Everybody knew Bumper the Masquerade. But only a few could DM it well. So, in here we have a term which is, uh, for example, uh, hey, uh, I heard that Cersei uh, is going to DM Bumper the Masquerade. What? Him? Is he going to run Bumper the Masquerade or Bumper the Massacrate? So you had the junk DMs went with the idea of Bumper the Masquerade being pretty much DMing a game of Blade the Vampire Hunter mixed up with uh, uh, with Helsing, with uh, Death Note. So you had very edgy gamers here. Like, uh, you had characters called Alucard all over the place. And then the most serious players were like, oh, are, are you really going with that? Really? At the same time, uh, we had a lot of rumors. Like, until this day, I have heard the story that a lot of players actually believe that Kane is in, in the Atacama Desert sleeping. So, yeah, that's... Like, we had a lot of information, misinformation, a lot of rumors, and we were proud of them. No, I mean, that's really interesting that, uh, because I guess there was, there wasn't as much accessibility to a lot of the books, and you're, you guys were working off a lot of photocopies, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. You kind of had your own canon uh, kind of develop in, in Chile compared to, like, the official sources, uh, you know, here in the United States. That's really uh, pretty neat. I mean, uh, there was a canon that wasn't because, um, yeah, there was a lot of photocopies. Like, if you were able to afford one book, that meant you were rich. And um, back in the day, they weren't that expensive. They were like thirty bucks. But Chile is a place where uh, you have to survive with two hundred bucks a month, and that's not much when you start considering transportation and all that. So, um, there were for the longest time a lot of people who were very into Bumper the Masquerade started to do a lot of fun books like uh, Chilla by Night and they created their own canon but the thing is that the canon sort of mixed up with reality in the sense that nobody knew what was actually canon and what was actually fan art or fan made like um, we know I mean because of all the information we had thanks to that book and misinformation and rumors I know that Santiago is a bad country uh, but if you ask, if I go to ask Jason Carl or any other of the writers, they'll be like, uh, I don't know, maybe. Um, and also, the funny thing was that, um, like I said, Masquerade was a huge deal, especially because the goth culture here was pretty strong. So being a goth went hand in hand with, uh, I mean, the the idea of going to uh, this um, local discotheque known as uh, Blondie. For you to go all leathery jacket, all like uh, a fucking bumper, and then take Sunday nights to go play Bumper the Masquerade, they weren't too far off. They were like sort of common, sort of normal. But for the longest time, anytime I played, 
or I wanted to introduce new people to the game, like normies, like total normal people, they were like, oh, and aren't you guys like satanic? No. But I heard stories about a Brazilian that killed another guy roleplaying. Yeah, but the guy was high. And the guy was playing an RPG where he was a fucking neo-Nazi killing people. And the guy was high when he killed somebody. So for the longest time, I had to give explanations like, no, we're not killing real people. No, these games are pure fantasy. No, drawing dice won't, won't summon Satan. But because of that, um, like I said, the role-playing scenario was a very tight niche for the longest time. And there were a lot of stories going and on and brewing and here and there. Every weekend you hear about something amazing somebody did, something stupid somebody did. Like, um, hey, uh, I heard uh, Jew got, uh, Jew was a player, got Demon the Fallen. Oh! And people were like, oh my god, that game must be hardcore as hell. Or, hey dude, I heard that Geo, uh, he got a hundred the Reckoning. Oh my god, that game must be awesome. Or, oh my god, this game sucks. Or, dude, I heard that he DM a game and the whole party cried. Oh my god, I want to play that game. The other thing I have to consider is that we had, back in the day, the amount of local stores were like one or two. Uh, the main one is Guildrooms, which I still go to this day. And our biggest advantage was that Geo, this guy told you that was forced into role-playing, he started to work for White Wolf, uh, doing demonstrations. Like, they sent him a copy of Exalted. He ran Exalted for new players, and he wrote down the feedback, and he mailed it back to White Wolf. And they sent him swag, and that's how he sort of expanded certain horizons. He bought Exalted, he bought um, Hunter the Reckoning, just, I mean, yeah, Hunter the Reckoning, just to name a few. Now, when Gehenna happened when the end of the world happened a lot of players were not willing to accept it and a lot of players were like they knew about the end of the world scenario but only a few were willing to buy the, the games and to run them but after that when the new world of darkness was announced there was a massive outcry i won't i won't lie to you guys and when bumper well, I, think, I think that was the same everywhere. I know I know people who didn't want to stop playing just because the game lines were ending. I didn't stop yeah. playing just because the game lines were ending. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of people still to this day that really, you know, think that uh think that the whole Gehenna scenario was a bad idea. I mean I I think Gehenna was a necessary evil from an the from an narrative standpoint that the game had a beginning, a middle and an end. The problem with Gehenna, with the end of the world scenarios, if you ask me as a, as a DM, as a jack of all trades when it comes to the world of darkness, is that it was very badly handled. Like, um, the the world of the apocalypse end scenario was like, okay, everybody dies. Mage Ascension, it had good ideas, but it wasn't very focused. Uh, Hunter the Reckoning was one of the best, to be honest. Because nobody gave them so much attention to the game that so the guys could do whatever they wanted. Really? Like the one in the when the time of judgment book? Yeah, I it just really... gave you the three it was pretty vague in my opinion. The three options of either uh kill all the monsters, lose to all the monsters, or like convert all the monsters. That was pretty much it. Yeah, but there's something you're forgetting about. Remember yeah, that but it wasn't it wasn't as 
detailed as some of the as the Gehenna or the apocalypse scenarios. Oh so yeah, it's true. I can understand that it was fairly, uh, very open ended. Open is uh, is a lot better for a lot of people. So I get what they're saying. Hmm. And also, um, remember this thing. Um, during two thousand four and I mean two thousand five, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, uh, video games were a thing, so people could fill the blanks. I remember that uh, Dio and his old group, uh, after every game that they run, they sat down to play Hunted the Reckoning, the the PC. I mean, the the video game, and that gave him ideas how to get uh, go to the end. Bumper Bloodlines, the video game, is to me every time I have to DM Bumper Damascus or anytime I have a new player and who wants to DM it, I say boot that game up, and that will teach you the basics of how you should run a game of Masquerade, how the politics work. How the corruption works within, how the conspiracy works, and that sort of gave them an outlines for larger and, and bigger games. Now, sadly enough, uh, everything, all things come to an end. So the last um, Dragon Council was to commemorate the the opening of the Narnia movies. That was about 2004, 2005. After that, there were small role-playing communities here and there, like Sisma or GDR uh, role-playing games community, but they weren't the same thing. And besides, um, we had some bad experiences. I'm not saying we had psychopaths in the gaming industry. I mean, in the gaming co- uh, events, but I have a funny story for you guys. So we had this gaming store, Guild Dreams, and every time the um, Aunt Peely, uh, the, the owner of the, of the store, shut down, we wanted to keep playing. So we went the next block to a Burger King. In, in this area where I'm talking about, there is a, uh, a big mall, a big shopping center for all things nerd. So you have your metalheads next to your comic books, next to your uh, TCG players and whatnot. So we all went to this very shitty... Uh, junk food places, fast food deliveries. So the first floor was filled with normal families talking about their lives, eating burgers, whatever. Second floor, you had the bumper, the masquerade players. You had the D&D players, like like buying uh, obscene amounts of junk food. We had the scavengers, like the guys who were playing, they saw a normal family live and and going like, hey dude, they left some french fries. Yeah, I'm going to eat them. And... um, there was this time where a couple of friends were playing, I believe, uh, Mage the Ascension. And some TCG players were playing the uh, World Wrestling Federation card game. I mean, WWE card game. And one of the guys, one of the geniuses of the card gamers, decides to say, do you see this card? This is what I do, they bastard. He basically suplexed the other guy into a table, and he broke the table. And ever since then, the owners of Burger King thought that we, the role players, were the guys who broke the table and not the guys who played TCG. So the uh. role players were <laughs> so role play no, I mean so role players were banned from the store except for the guys who played TCG. For the longest time uh there was silence. Like you had your internet communities, your forums and whatnot, where you could like coordinate games and whatnot. But but nowadays I there's a couple of events, but they're more they're less focused on role-playing games and more focused on the hobby itself. Um, Warhammer 40k hit very big in here. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of, of 
more I would say more traditional board games like so you have events dedicated to trying to to introduce people to the hobby, but they're more focused on things like playing Settlers of Catan or playing uh uh Betrayal at the House of I mean Betrayal at the House of the Hill or event or more focused on more party games. So currently, yes, there is role playing here and there in small amounts all over the place, but um but now, if you ask me now, what's the, the role-playing scenario? Because of B20, a lot of the old players who used to play Bumper the Masquerade came back from the woods or trade games to return to Bumper to Bumper 20. The old school that didn't that couldn't afford some of the books now, they can afford everything that they missed out. So you now have a resurgency of the World of Darkness, of the classic World of Darkness. At the same time, you have the, the eternal struggle of the players who are deciding if they should go Pathfinder, D&D 5.0, uh, and 3.5. And now you also have the new school, the, the guys who go, who go for more indie games, the guys who go for things like, um, um, oh, what's the name of this? The Genesis, uh, Savage Worlds, um, uh, Call of Cthulhu, which was, which, it was already a classic, but now it's more, it's arriving more often. And the other, nice. the other thing you have to bear in mind is that back in my day, the gaming stores only had a few amount of copies of each book. So, if you weren't able to buy that book, you were, sorry, boy, you you don't fucked up. But now, since um, they're always arriving, there's always new chances for you to find what's popular. So that's long story short version of how's the gaming scenario here in Chile and LARPing doesn't really happen that often people are very shy about it interesting so I mean here in the United States we've had this huge huge resurgence in role-playing games uh ever since D&D 5th edition came out and was very well received and then also uh this tv show Stranger Things on, oh, yeah. on Netflix really brought it to the uh to the forefront and you can find groups all over the place. Uh, like major booksellers are holding like Pathfinder nights now. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, so have you seen any of that kind of like uptick in uh, in role playing in Chile, or is it has it not occurred? I mean, yes and no. Uh, I have to I have to give a shout out to one of my friends. But last last time role playing is more about board games. Like um, I have a friend who started roleplay with us for a couple of, for a little for a little time. She tried to get a, to get into their RPGs, and she decided to open uh, a coffee shop called Two D Six, which is mainly based on the idea that you go there, you grab a cup of coffee, and you can rent a board game. Uh, but she, I've been talking to her to do uh, RPG nights there to introduce new people, new players. Uh, we had some uh, I wouldn't I don't know what's the word. But there's a lot of movement on some schools to start teaching uh, children to roleplay, mainly because it's it's helpful for imagination and whatnot. But as for big like uh, books uh, stores that do that, it, they don't really happen. Though I have seen them selling uh, RPGs, but not understanding what the hell they are. It's like uh, here, have this book with a vampire on it. I don't. It must be Twilight or something like that. But so uh, one of the one of the things that uh, is real big in the community here or and is helping to grow the community in the States is uh, the actual play podcasts and uh, 
actual play uh, web series, like Critical Role. Oh, um, is there anything yeah. like that affecting the scene down down in South America that you're aware of? Uh, that I'm aware of, yes and no. Um, I'm 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 speaking from an outsider point of view here because I haven't been much into the community lately. Um, but um, for what I gather, there's I mean the new players who arrive they don't usually speak English, so the critical role thing that doesn't happen as much often. So. Most most of the people who get into RPGs nowadays here in Chile is thanks to Stranger Things, thanks to Netflix, or thanks to word from mouth to mouth, or thanks to all reruns of TV shows where they dwell into RPGs. Like, um, I I know a friend who's very into this show, uh, Voltron, and they do a whole ep- episode based on D&D. I offered her to play a couple of times, and she was like, no, not my cup of tea, I don't know. And after she saw that, it was, was like, I want to play. Okay. To be fair, that was a really good episode of Ultron. I haven't seen it yet. I have to. But, like, big shows that dwell into that? No. They haven't happened yet. Besides, um, sadly enough, uh, I have to say, I have to be honest, the Chilean community can be a little toxic sometimes. Like, um, the old guard can be very uptight when it comes to role-playing games. The guy, some of the old DMs who DM uh, World of Darkness are very bent through, if you know what I mean. Very like, ah, oh, I see you want to DM this, but you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's more a couple of a couple of weeks ago, I had a big argument with some of them about the character I wanted to play as. Uh, okay, this is gonna sound stupid. Currently, I'm DMing a lot through Discord to North American players. I'm trying to corrupt uh, D&D players to join the World of Darkness movement. And I was talking to a friend saying, I want to play as Elvis Presley. What? I want to play as uh, an Elvis Presley that was embraced by a bumper and now is lying low while the, origin- the while the Elvis who died was an impersonator. Wait, you're going Buba Hotep? Hell yeah. And the guy said, you know what? It's stupid. I like it. I'm going to... I allow it in my game. I told some of the old guard of Chileans and they were like, I wouldn't allow that. It breaks the seriousness of the game. The game should be serious. The game should be like this. That kind of mentality is a little bit stupid. Hell, uh, that reminds me that one of the things here that that catch on very hard was the idea of the Malkavian being Deadpool. Like the whole idea of Malkavians being mm-hmm. Deadpool. Okay, have you ever heard the term uh, Fishhead Malkavian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. We had a lot of fishhead Malkavians. A yeah, lot. I think it's. I mean, the problem with the Malkavian, I don't want to say the problem, but the uh, the feature of the Malkavian with like the old first edition clan book is that it really kind of encouraged that sort of a, uh, you know, off the wall, you know, uh, comically crazy mm-hmm. uh, sort of role playing uh, method, uh, mm-hmm. which is not really what the original. You know, Vampire Masquerade first edition, second edition books really indicated, and, and thankfully they've kind of fixed that in in V five as well. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, whenever I have to explain Vampire Masquerade to somebody, I say Malkavian and crazy, and I have players who go like crazy, like, oh, that's a world. I'm gonna hug it because it, because I'm insane. I go, no, 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 more like um, Hannibal Lecter in the TV show Hannibal, that kind of crazy. Or like Buffalo Bill in the Silence of the Lambs. But those are very good uh, examples of uh, of Malkavian characters. Yes, much yeah. more than uh, the Joker from uh, 
the Batman cartoons or whatever. I mean, let's be honest. The Joker of Dark Knight will be the perfect Malkavian. Yeah, or even the perfect... I mean, not the, the cartoon, the, the Heath Ledger one. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that working. Now, as for the scenario today... Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of gaming stores that allow certain events like a whole full party on night games. And we have what uh, some... Once in a while, we have midnight consoles, which are... Um, you go to this college to roleplay from dusk till dawn. And there's been a lot of stories about that thing. About DMs who just passed out while in the middle of gaming. But yeah, we yeah, have... we uh, we might have done that back when I was in college too. But I don't think anybody ever passed out in the middle of the game. Okay, I have a very funny maybe, story. Maybe once. Uh, I have two stories for you. Um, there's a legend of a GM was playing a D campaign in the middle of one of these events. So he had like the story on the screen, and he has his shoulders over it. And he asked each player about their character, and he said, like, give me a minute. Like, let me think about the story. He leans down. The players are like, okay, what's he doing? No, he's thinking. Give him a little bit. Five minutes later. Holy shit, he must be writing a very big story. Ten minutes later. Uh, dude, are you okay? And they they approach him. They start tapping him, and he was, uh, and he was like... The guy just passed out. He was way too tired. And the other story I have involves uh, my GM of Major Ascension. In one of these events, uh, Legend has it that he was pretty high. No, he wasn't him. It was another guy. But he was in a mixture of being high and tired. So he was DMing D&D. And he was like, you, you see a dragon. And you guys, you see a Moai. What? Shh. And the Moai tells you, Snoop Dogg rules, man. But yeah, that's normal. In our gaming events, it's pretty normal that some guys way too fucked up to continue running. The the, the mental exhaustation and the tiredness and the physical stress sometimes give a big beat up uh, a DM, especially when you're old enough, when you're in your mid thirties, when you can when you say to yourself, "I can't do this shit anymore," or "I'm too old for this shit." Oh man, too old for role playing games. I mean, jeez, not to role play, but to DM an entire game for dusk till dawn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we kind of start wrapping things up here a little bit. Um, Joe, you've been talking a lot about you know uh, World of Darkness. What is your all-time favorite World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness game? You son of a bitch. Sorry. Um, classic World of Darkness. I'm in a tie between Mage Ascension and Demon of the Fallen. Chronicles of Darkness, uh, I'm going to sound like blasphemy, but I like Bumper the Requiem 2nd Edition more than Bumper the Masquerade. Kind of. I kind of agree with you. Don't don't tell anyone. No, uh, I mean, Requiem 2nd Edition seeks to solve a lot of the uh, the issues that, that like, Vampire the Revised had. Um and does it through like the the beat system, the conditions, which is really just a very interesting thing. And then you know V five as well tried to solve a lot of those issues in a uh, in a different way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really like it. And like the um, you know the fiction's really interesting. I, I like the art a lot. It's really just a a really interesting synthesis of where we started back in nineteen ninety one, and you know mm-hmm. how it ended up in twenty thirteen or whatever when uh, second edition came out. Besides, uh, my biggest problem with Bumper uh, the Masquerade, personally, is number one, I'm a lazy bastard. There's about 
250 books and a lot of dms and a lot of players who uh, tend to know more than you in here like they tend to take all the time to digest a, a system a game and sometimes they can outsmart you so for example uh there was this time i had to i was going to run a, a beef bumper the basket to my ex-girlfriend and and she said oh can i play as a ravnos and then we had a, we got ourselves in a whole argument with other players that ravnos are dead ravnos are extent but B5, I mean, Requiem, the way I see it is that, number one, it allows you to be more sandboxy. It gives you the tool, but doesn't force you to, to accept certain events of the canon. It doesn't, accept, it doesn't force you to accept certain, that certain events happen. Like, you can go whatever way you want. And second, I, I feel like it gives more freedom to the player to feel more powerful about their character. And besides, I love that Requiem is a tragic game. Like, Masquerade... Sometimes you forget you're playing the monster. Sometimes, the the times I played, uh, I all, sometimes I forget that I'm supposed to be the bad guy. But Requiem sort of encourages it. It keeps reminding you you are the monster. Remember that. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, follow up question: um, What is your favorite splat in all the games, and why is it Tremere? Okay. <laughs> Splat of Masquerade? I mean, like, clan? Um, favorite? Uh, Simishi. And the Tremere, I sort of really? hate because of a... Really? Yeah. really? Wait, 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 wait. Go back to that. Why Why is Simishi? Okay, I was young. Um, I saw... the. I like David Cronenberg. I like horror. I like the whole idea of playing as the thing, basically. And um, the first time I ever, I was creating a, I was thinking about the clans. I had the radio in the background, and some, and at one moment I started to read about the Simishis, and I could hear uh, Rammstein's mind tell. So, the whole idea of a Simishi arriving while while Rammstein is pumping the background as this creature of of featureless androgynous body with his bones inside out, going like, ah, welcome to your nightmare. Just. Well, like, dude, this is fucking badass. I need to play as this son of a bitch. And my problem with the Tremere was um, a player. Ever okay, you guys, you guys been DMing for a long time. Do you believe in the philosophy that the, that the GM can be bribed by, with food? No. Um, mm, I mean, what what kind of food? What, what are we talking about here? Yes, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we have a little saying here, like, sometimes the answer is not A or B, sometimes the answer is yes. Um, we had a player whose DM was her, his, her boyfriend. And because of that, the guy gave her a lot of leniency. So her character was the most broken thing I have ever seen in my life. And her character was so broken that in this gaming store, a lot of us decided to create characters specifically made to kill her. She was a Tremere with 300 blood points. She had uh, two ghouls. One of them was a Kuldun Simishi, a rank 3 werewolf. She had like humanity 8 or 7. And she knew like 7 paths of thaumaturgy. So... We were so sick about her character because she was the, the walking Mary Sue. <laughs> and that's how I got into Demon the Fallen. Somebody told me, dude, play as a demon. Why? Uh, because you want to kill her. Sign me in. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
But yeah, my whole trauma with the Tremere is the idea that uh, they're basically untouchable. That they're that they can use magic and all that bullshit to keep you at a line, to keep you at bay, and that the way they use magic even more than Mage Ascension, I feel like they're cheating. Basically, that's my problem with the Tremere. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, Good answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thaumaturgy caused some issues. All right, so Joe, yeah. here's the final question. Actually, no, we have another question after this that I didn't write down. Sorry. All right, this is the second to last question. Second to last question. All right, Joe, let's say let's say the house is burning. You can only save one role-playing game book. What would you grab before you run out? The kids are safe. The dog's safe. Everyone's safe. Just need to save. You can only save one book. That's it. I'm looking at my collection now. I have like 2,000 books. So, for, I will say two things. Okay, no, no, I cannot, no, because I would totally go for uh, Days of Fire, the, the book of Demon the Fallen. I will go for the first edition of Major Ascension and the Major Ascension Tarot. Okay, I, I'm going to say that's fine, Here because goes. one's a prop book and another one's a tarot deck. So that's fine, you can grab all three. Yes! Nice, yeah, all great choices. Um, yeah, Taro deck's a classic. I actually don't have the Mage the Ascension one. I've got the Mage the Awakening one, oh, and it's still pretty neat. You lucky bastard. I, hey, you can get it on uh, print-on-demand now, so... Yeah, drive through cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the copy I've got. It looks pretty nice. And also, for any Chilean who's listening to this, who wants to get the Tarot card, you can. I mean, the Tarot deck of Mage Ascension, remember, you can go to Guild Dreams or to Warpig. Thank you. Please leave the, the money under the couch. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, okay, okay. And I have one last question for you. The same question we ask all of our guests here on the show. If you could be a household appliance, which would you be and why? A household appliance. You know, that's a, that's one of the weirdest questions I, ever, I have ever heard in my life. And I have to think about this one for a second. Yeah, I mean, it tells us a lot about you, you know? And we've gotten some great answers over the years. Game controllers, iPhones. I think it was iPod back in the day. Yeah, crockpots. I've been asking the question for a while. Yeah. The fridge. Okay. Because Cause of the... Why the fridge? Because it's chilly. You like it, you uh, like it being cold, right? Uh, chilly. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I get it. But because... Okay, in an endless scenario, let's say... Uh, Solar flare technology dies, whatever. Your iPod is dead. You cannot listen to music. But you can read books. TV is dead, but you can tell stories. But the question is, where the fuck would you put your food? Or where would you store the beer? Okay, fair enough. I mean, you can, even if electricity dies, you can still use a refrigerator as like an icebox. So, yeah. Yeah. And besides, yeah, it still works. And besides, uh, if, if Movie Magic has told me anything, you can, you can withstand a blast for a nuclear bomb with that thing. I think. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh, good call. All right. Cool. And I forgot to mention you one last thing in that I think you might be interested about. Ooh, uh, yeah. Because uh, Chile, has, I mean, South America has some contacts with some uh, major uh, Spanish translator distributions like uh, No Solo Rol. Uh, there's a lot. We have a lot of exclusive books that are in Spanish, like Aquelarre. Have you heard of that one? Uh, no, I haven't. Or Sonomas. Okay. No, not ringing I, any bells. I have three books for you. Aquilarre is... Are you familiar with the anime Berserk? Yes, I am. Yeah, very, very violent show. Okay, imagine Berserk 
with the percentile system, but you're not a hero. You're a human in a, in the Spain during the the Arabic invasion. Okay? So the whole thing about this game is that there's a lot of witches, there's a lot of uh, satanic involvement, and magic is realistic. Meaning, you cannot cast a fireball, but what you can do to somebody is give them the right herbs, so, I don't know, so he become more fertile. Or you can make, uh, uh, you can see the stars, and with that, they can have an idea of when it's going to rain. So it's a very realistic, it's a very magic realism sort of RPG. But with the fact that there's demons, so it's a little bit of berserk in their mix. Uh, the second one I have is called uh, Unspeakable Cults. It's a Call of Cthulhu game. Its system is heavily influenced by fate. It's in Spanish as well. What's the thing? You are not the investigator in trying to stop the Cthulhu mythos. You are somebody who is so desperate for an answer that you decide to become a cultist. Uh, the book gives a beautiful example. It's the case of a woman who uh, had, a, had her son stillborn. So she decides to use the powers of the Necronomicon to offer her soul to bring her son back. But then again, it's a Call of Cthulhu game. So hijinks ensue. Nice. I like it. And the third one is something I want to DM you guys at some point. It's a parody game. And it's the most official parody there is of Bumper the Masquerade called Funpire. Uh, Funfire makes fun of the whole Bumper the, uni the Bumper the Masquerade universe. There is clans, but they're much based on pop culture. So, I don't know. Give me a clan. Give me a name of a clan. Well, Tremere. Malkavian. Okay, Malkavian. Tremere. Okay, Tremere. Uh, Malkavian and, and Tremere. The Malkavian in this game is called the Wargamian. They're people who play war games so much that the rules drop them insane. But yet they're uh, tactical geniuses. Okay, that. so you're talking about a co-host, Chris. Yeah. All right, good. And Trakir. So the Tremere here are based on the whole tricky ideal. So their thaumaturgic rituals are based on science fiction. Their ranks are uh, divided under the, the color of your uniform based on Star Trek. So their magic is based on things like uh, no spoon from the Matrix or having Klingon strength or whatnot. Dang, nice. That's a good idea. Uh, dude, you're going to love this. The equivalent of the, of the Torador is the Roleador, which are the new brand of role players who don't play games that use dice. They are they're the guys who play interpretative role-playing games, the ones that use uh, cards instead of dice and whatnot. And the equivalent of the Gangrel is the Gangrel, guys from the old school of RPGs, which whenever they go berserk, they don't develop animal features. They develop fantasy features like uh, foots of a, I mean, like feet of a hobbit, Ears of an Elf, and so on. Dude, sign me up for this. Yeah, This is only in Spanish? And I will translate the character sheet for you guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you need to talk to whoever produces this about getting a, a legit, uh, for real, English I translation. I won't lie to I, you. I've been, I've been trying to reach Cel Spignol, the creator of the comic book, that makes fun of all these things. And he's interested to doing that. He's... He's been telling me I'm going to do a, a revision ever since 2005, but nothing else has come up yet. But I can totally run you guys a game of uh, Funpire. Besides, the lore is fucking insane. I love it. Dang. Yeah, that's really cool, dude. All right, cool. So, uh, Joe, um, mm -hmm. you're pretty active on Twitter and Discord. Uh, do you want to just like uh, tell people where they can find you if they have any questions about you know your 
your storytelling experience or uh, you know the culture down there as well uh yeah sure um i don't have, i mean i have twitter but i barely use it uh I, I hold on let me remember my twitter that's a very good uh give me a second no it's not it's not neil himself sorry like my my entrance to twitter is neil gamers twitter your twitter is at alistair j crowley thank you <laughs> and my discord for those who want to go into the world of darkness, I'm always in the classic world of darkness. I'm one of the moderators. My name is Crowley there. Uh, I'm always open to DM games, though I'm currently running five games at the same time. Nice, good, impressive. And uh, of course, if anyone wants to get in touch with uh, Darker Days Radio, uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Darker Days Radio. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Darker Days Radio. And uh, we have Google Plus as well, so a lot of great stuff. Uh, hopefully we'll be back pretty soon with another episode. Chris and I are supposed to talk about Geist, the Sin Eater 2nd Edition at some point, which uh, should be pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, Chig, we gotta do that horror heartbreaker sometime, which would be a lot of fun. It's on um, the And also, guys, uh, like I said, um, by the way, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll, I will translate Funpire for you guys, and I am eager to run you a campaign of Demon the Fallen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We need to uh, get that on the books sometime soon. Joe, thank you very much for coming here on the show. Really appreciate all the insight. Very interesting to hear about role-playing games around the world. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Thank you for joining us. Dude, anytime, and Thank you for uh, having me. Yep. And really. to all the listeners out there, thanks and have a good night. See you next time. See ya. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com.